Howdy, this is Dave Hill, and this is issue 40 of Dave Does the Comics. This is my weekly comic book review podcast recorded on July 15th, 2012. I'm not a comic book industry insider. I am not a literature or art major. I didn't even go to San Diego Comic-Con this year, but I know what I like, and this is my podcast to unpretentiously tell you what and why that is. Okay, well, I am back after three weeks of camping, business travel, and cruising in Alaska, some of which was much more relaxing and entertaining than other parts of which. Many, many comic books have been read and are in the stack this week. Uh, probably more being left off this week's podcast, as I will be able to get to. So just imagine that I read everything else on the shelf. And I'm not actually done reading the best of what accumulated while I was away, so next week's podcast should be even more difficult for me to decide from. But meanwhile, let's hop to it. And let's start with Marvel's offerings. And we'll start with Avengers Assemble, number five, from Marvel. Brian Bendis writing, Mark Bagley on pencils. Can I be forgiven for saying that I'm enjoying this series a lot more than the current Avengers sagas, bound up as they are with all the AVX brouhaha? The stories here are simpler, better contained, and yet still gripping with good dialogue and interesting twists and some nice art from Bagley. Uh, in this case, we get the Guardians of the Galaxy, about which more later, showing up. There's some action, some of it disturbingly violent, and lots of dialogue, but it's refreshingly non-AVX-y. Apparently this title will be continuing after the new Marvel Now, uh, not a reboot, though without Bendis, who is, though, going to be running Guardians of the Galaxy, so it's not surprising they showed up. Four stars! I liked it a lot. Captain America, number 14, from Marvel, Ed Brubaker writing, Patch Zerker and Mike Diodato on the art. Shock to the System, part 4, Cap has a final confrontation with the new Scourge, discovering, as we did at the end of the previous issue, that he's Cap's erstwhile homeless buddy, D-Man. Brubaker's willingness to kill, maim, or otherwise dispose of folks in Cap's universe just to drive Cap's story is a bit disturbing, but at least he's equal opportunity about it. Overall, good stuff. Four stars. I liked it a lot. Avengers vs. X-Men, number six from Marvel. Jonathan Hickman writing, Olivier Coipel on the pencils. And number seven, Matt Fraction writing, Olivier Coipel on the pencils. I've decided one of the problems with this whole event series even though the individual issues have more story to them than most event comics, the rotation of the scripting versus the overall plotting renders things so uneven tone-wise as to exacerbate the already why-are-these-characters-acting-like-this nature of the event. Which continues in both of these installments. Uh, Coipel's pencils, with Mark Morales inks and Laura Martin's colors, are lovely, as always, but there's so much people acting strangely stuff, it's difficult to take this particular event very seriously. Even though the aftermath is supposed to be informing the Marvel now, uh, not really a reboot, in the future. Two stars, it was... Okay, both of these issues. Avengers Academy, number 32 from Marvel. Christos Gage on the writing, Timothy Green the second on pencils, What the Heart Wants, part one. The whole rather bizarre but intriguing idea of Justin and his more or less reprogrammed pet Sentinel finally makes its inevitable inclusion into the forefront of the plot as the Avengers and the remaining ex-students at the Academy, 
particularly X-23, begin to question why they are tolerating a sentinel in their midst, especially one that occasionally says, mutants are the target, must be destroyed, kind of things. This all comes to a head when the newly enphoenixed Emma Frost comes to visit. If there's a saving grace to the whole AVX event, is that the supporting issues it spills into have tended to be much more interesting and entertaining, and this is one such. Four stars, I liked it a lot. Journey into Mystery, number 640, from Marvel. Kieran Gillen, writing uh, Richard Elson on the art. The concept of modern industrial gods arising from the city of Manchester in the UK and warring on the magical otherworld of Britain, which includes the Fae and the Avalonian heroes and all of that, sounds like something you'd find in a Hellblazer comic, but Gillen does a great job of it here, especially as Asgardia sends Loki to covertly help the magical status quo. And then throws in a few great twists. I very much want to read the next issue. Four stars. I liked it a lot. On the DC side, we'll start with the most controversial of the DC comics this uh, review period. Beyond Watchmen, the comedian, number one of six from DC. Brian Azzarello on the writing. J.G. Jones on the art. Smile. It's difficult to think of the comedian from Watchmen in sympathetic terms, but watching him in this early 60s story, tone perfect, as he's both a masked hero, a government agent, and an intimate of the Kennedy family in the White House, is just darned interesting and well done. Um, Azarello's writing here is more subtle than usual, and Jones provides nicely realistic art, all of it leading up to a defining moment for both the nation and for the title character himself. Well done, four stars, I liked it a lot. Fables, number 118, DC Vertigo, Bill Willingham writing, Mark Buckingham on the pencils, Broken Kite, Chapter 5 of Cubs in Toyland, as the island of toys turns out to be, and no big surprise, even more sinister and twisted in its fundamental nature than one might have thought. Um, Darian proves his heroism, Therese finally gets a clue, and Bigby makes a deal with, if not the devil, then the other wind gods. It's damn good stuff, gripping, well-crafted, remarkably imaginative, as this whole series has been. I'd make it my comic of the week if I didn't already keep talking almost every month about fables and how cool it is. Still, I give it five stars. It's amazing. On the other hand, we have Aquaman number 10 from DC, Jeff Johns penciling, Ivan Rice, uh, excuse me, Jeff Johns writing, Ivan Rice on the pencils, chapter 4 of The Others. Uh, I'm damned if I know what's going on in this comic, uh, even though I've been following this title along now for three issues. Uh, it spends all but a page or two on supporting characters and payoffs of backstory and plotting and things that have gone on before. Um, the overall art, inks and colors, is pretty but dark to the point of making it difficult to follow. Um, I started following this title late, um, but given this issue, I am thinking of bailing early. Two stars. It was okay. I'm going to give it the benefit of the doubt if I'd been reading it since issue one that it would make more sense. Still, after three issues, I should be able to follow along a bit more what's happening. The Shade, number 10, from DC, James Robinson writing, Fraser Irwin on the art, Shadow Puppets, wherein we learn why imprisoning Egyptian gods and your somewhat demonic erstwhile supervillain ancestor rarely ends well for you, especially when it's his comic. Fun stuff, three stars, I liked it. 
And from one other publisher, Next Men, number 44, from IDW, John Byrne, writing and art, Crazy Quilt. The final, ultimate final, final conclusion of the Aftermath storyline and the Next Men saga, I guess. Uh, while still drawn real pretty and what appeared to have some interesting moments, there was still too much going on here that really required having read the whole multi-decade series and thus being willing to put up with, oh, that wasn't real, and various timeline quirks. Still, many bravos to burn for bringing it all home to a more or less happy ending of a conclusion. So three stars. I liked it. Now for some quickie reviews, some two-star comics, AVX Versus, number 4 of 6 from Marvel, Green Arrow, number 11 from DC, DC Universe Presents, number 10 from DC, Justice League International, number 11 from DC, Dial H, number 3 from DC, and Glory, number 27 from Image. All of those, um, the ones that aren't being canceled imminently, are on my uh, pull list, chopping list. They were okay, but... Uh, really nothing special or making me want to go back and and see future issues. Some three-star comics, Iron Man number 519 from Marvel, Mighty Thor number 16 from Marvel, Batman, uh, excuse me, Batwoman number 10, Catwoman number 10, Justice League Dark number 10, and Flash number 10, and Legion of Superheroes number 10, and Suicide Squad number 10, and Legion Lost number 11, all from DC. And finally, some four-star comics, uh, ones that I really liked, Daredevil number 14 from Marvel, with Mark Wade writing and Chris Samney on the art. Wonder Woman number 10 from DC, Brian Azzarello writing, Kano and Tony Akins and Dan Green on the art. Ferrist number 4 from DC Vertigo, Bill Willingham writing, Phil Jimenez on the pencils. Saucer Country number 5 from DC Vertigo, Paul Cornell on the pencils, Ryan Kelly on the art. Saga number 4 from Image, Brian Vaughn writing, Fiona Staples on the art. The Shadow number 3 from Dynamite, Garth Ennis writing, and Aaron Campbell on the art. I would recommend those uh, titles and issues to pretty much anyone. Finally, some named reviews. And I'm going to start with the best all-ages graphic novel that I'm reviewing this week, and that would be Friends with Boys from First Second Books, Faith Erin Hicks, writing and art. A quirky girl starting to attend high school with all the social drama that entails, especially since her older brothers are already there and her mother just left the family. The fact that she's also being haunted by a ghost. Fights and drama and socializing and family dynamics and petty theft. It's just all good, honest characterization and storytelling without being this really heavy story. It's a good read I'm passing on to my 12-year-old daughter to peruse. I think she'll like it. I did a lot. Four stars. The best cover this week, um, Avenging Spider-Man, number nine from Marvel. Kelly Sue DeConnick writing, Terry and Rachel Dodson on the art, including the cover. It's odd that the first appearance of Carol Danvers in her new Captain Marvel role and costume is in this team-up book. Captain Marvel number one comes out next week, but this is a fun way to introduce her in this fairly light-hearted title. There's not a lot of substance in the first issue of a two-part story, but there's witty dialogue, a bit of comedy, some fun villains with social commentary, and, well, Carol Danvers. And this enjoyable cover, as well as interior art, which manages to show a female character without showing excessive cleavage and buttage, but still looking hot and powerful. Four stars, I liked it a lot. 
My least favorite comic this week that I'm going to review is Astonishing X-Men number 51 from Marvel. Marjorie Liu writing, Mike Perkins on the pencils. It's the marriage of the year, the big gay wedding of, um, what's his name, North Star and his on-again, off-again boyfriend that lots of people have been bloviating about. Okay. Um, honestly, while I applaud the concept and don't have any problem with uh, gay weddings any more than straight weddings, I can't speak highly of the result here with the stiff art, the overwrought writing, and of course the marriage of one of my least favorite Marvel mutants. Um, least favorite because he's a jerk, not because he's gay. So congrats on the concept, uh, Marvel, and I, I hope that their marriage is happier than too many other comic book marriages have been of late, though I doubt it will be. Two stars, it was okay. The best comic book I'm reviewing this week is The Punisher, number 12, from Marvel. Greg Rucka writing Marco Cecchetto on the art. The Punisher finally catches up with Rachel Cole Alves and has a long talk with her about what vengeance actually means and what decisions she has to make for her future, depending on what direction she's going to go with it. It's chilling, it's insightful, and it's a payoff for what Rucka's been doing with both characters in the last dozen issues of this title. Remarkably enough, nobody gets shot, blown up, throat slit, or otherwise killed in this issue, which fits perfectly. Well done. Five stars, it was actually pretty amazing. Okay, a recap of the four stars comics this week. Avengers Assemble number 5, Captain America number 14, Avengers Academy number 32, Journey into Mystery number 640, Daredevil number 14, Avenging Spider-Man number 9. All of them definitely worth reading. Also beyond Watchmen the Comedian number 1 of 6, Wonder Woman number 10, Ferris number 4, Saucer Country number 5, Saga number 4 from Image, The Shadow number 3 from Dynamite, and Friends with Boys from First Second. And two five-star comics, uh, amazing Fabu stuff here, Fables number 118 and Punisher number 12. So including sub-imprints, that's seven titles for Marvel, including a five-star, five for DC, including a five-star, and one each for Dynamite, Image, and First Second. Lots of good reading there. It's been enjoyable. Speaking of good reading, while I'm thinking of it, a big shout-out to Doyce Testerman, friend, fellow gamer, and writer who not only has a book, Hidden Things, uh, being published shortly, but spent earlier today on a San Diego Comic-Con panel, that's the comic con connection, hosted by science fiction great John Scalzi. Bravo, sir. In other less urgent news, DC announced that it will have a Justice League movie out in, oh, 2014, maybe 2015, maybe we'll see. Although uh, DC has done a great job with TV superheroics, especially on the animated side of things, it's had a problem with movie house success or screen time for anyone in its broad stable besides Superman and Batman movies. Marvel, on the other hand, not only announced sequels and timing thereof for Thor, Captain America, Iron Man, and Avengers, they also announced plans for an Ant-Man movie and a Guardians of the Galaxy film, using the current incarnation of the Guardians, not the classic Starhawk, Martinex, etc. version. I'm pretty excited about the last, the, the Guardians of the Galaxy film, especially given their connection to Thanos. Plus, we get Rocket Raccoon, who's always worth a watch. Marvel also announced last week its Marvel Now uh, initiative, which seems more flash than substance, and unlike DC's full-court across-the-board reboot, on whose publicity Marvel seems to be wanting to uh, 
hook onto. It's mostly going to consist of reorganizing a bunch of titles, doing some broad collaborative scripting, doing some kickoffs of those major titles all sort of at the same time with top talent on the key books for extended periods and trying to downplay a bit um, many decades of continuity, all of which could go horribly wrong, but which might also lead to some really good books. So I'm going to wish them the best and withhold judgment for a bit, except for that name, Marvel Now, uh, which is truly just awful. Anyway, on that positive note, thank you for listening to this Dave Does the Comics podcast. On my homepage, which you can find through the wonders of Google, you can see all the lovely covers for all these lovely comic books and leave comments on the podcast. I can be reached there or tweeted at 3 underscore star underscore Dave. I welcome your feedback, especially your suggestions for books I should try. I hope you've enjoyed this uh, 17-odd minutes out of your life. Thanks once again, and as Stanley is so fond of saying, I'm not dead yet!